Hello and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Tracy Allen, Head of Agricultural Commodity Strategy at JP Morgan. And today I'd like to discuss with you the dynamics at play across the highly volatile agricultural complex, where there really is no room for error in supply and also looming questions over the durability of demand at these historically high price levels that we're seeing. This week has brought long anticipated data from the USDA, the planting intentions for the upcoming spring crops, along with the quarterly grain stocks report as of the 1st of March. And it was very much a bullish installment for the grains that really blindsided the trade expectation today. Equally, we've had some negotiation talks um, of a reasonably fruitful nature between Russia and Ukraine. Um, very early, early stages there, um, but we have seen quite a lot of erosion of risk premium across commodities, grain markets in particular, which have since recovered, um, you know, since there has actually been no indication of de-escalation, albeit uh, further indications of negotiation talks ahead. Outside of these fundamental factors, we've also had a confirmation that La Nina continues to persist at a moderate level through the tropical Pacific. And of course, for the broader commodity markets, a number of dynamics still at play here. We've seen the likes of Russia demand payment for, for a number of commodities, notably gas and, and grains in rubles, uh, and equally the US announcing large tranches of strategic oil reserves to be released that's put a bit of pressure on Brent pricing. So moving back to the agricultural commodities complex, it, it's been a, a market that we have been bullish on for quite some time, very constructive from the fundamental point of view, even before the conflict in Ukraine broke out, uh, purely from the point of view of a, a very tight inventory story. And as I alluded to earlier, there really is no room for error in supply. The USDA released their planting intentions from farmers, surveys that they receive uh, from farmers across the country that were taken from the end of February through to the middle of through the middle of March. And in a very interesting result, we saw farmers announce that they essentially intend to plant far fewer corn acres than the market had anticipated coming in at 89.5 million acres, around 3% below the average trade expectation. Uh, similarly, the wheat acreage, particularly spring wheat acreage, came in 5% below the average trade expectation. And these numbers are all the more relevant uh, at this time, given the extensive and, and unprecedented um, dislocations in trade flows of both corn and, and wheat that we're certainly seeing after the Black Sea currently, and, and particularly the, uh, the closure of seaports in Ukraine and longer-term questions over the potential to plant the upcoming spring crops there. The, the US uh, quarterly grain stocks report was also quite telling in its nature, similar to the, uh, the prospective plantings numbers. We had quite bullish numbers again for grains um, in terms of grain stocks relative to trade expectations. Um, and equally, on the other hand, of course, the primary beneficiary of the decline in, in acreage or anticipated acreage for grains has, has moved into soybeans at least it has done so in terms of the, the farmer's early intentions. We're looking to see 91 million acres of soybeans planted um, in the upcoming spring crop season in the US. And, and that was about 2% ahead of trade expectations, certainly uh, much higher than our 89.7 million 
acre anticipation. And the, the driver here really is, you know, reflective of the underlying cost of production that we've been discussing for quite some time, the uh, historically high fertilizer prices and nutrient requirements of these crops. Um, farmers are really voting here to, to look at, to uh, increase their, their soybean acreage year on year, which is quite normal from the point of view of their crop rotation, but also indicative of the underlying dynamics at play with a lower cost of production there relative to the likes of corn. Cotton was also a bit of a surprise in terms of planting today. Um, we, we have seen 12.2 uh, million acres of cotton relative to an average expectation of 12.3, still quite high there. Um, coming in line with the, the average trade expectation. So the outlook from here, uh, we've seen a recovery across grain, grain markets, particularly towards the end of the week, um, following the earlier erosion of risk premium, following some discussions between Russia and Ukraine midweek. Um, it's going to be a very volatile ride going forward um, across grain markets particularly, and indeed across agri agri-commodities, it, it looks to us as though it's going to take multiple years to be able to return inventory levels across the complex back to any semblance of, of comfort. Um, what we see at the moment um, in terms of the, the situation in Russia and Ukraine and in terms of trade flows, uh, it is a very slow seasonal period for wheat exports out of the region. Uh, it is clear that certain volumes of Russian wheat certainly uh, is still flowing from port zones. We um, have, have certainly seen the likes of uh, the Turkish Grain Board look to buy Russian wheat uh, in rubles. Uh, we've not seen announcements too, too widely around other purchases in rubles. Um, it's something that will be very interesting to note going forward. Um, however, the, the longer-term concern really remains that forward purchases of Russian grains and particularly wheat remain uh, very slow, very, very slow for the new crop, um, which puts really durable questions over, you know, where we'll be able to um, drive, where that, that demand will drive to. We're assuming a lot of that will flow towards the likes of European exports and, and certainly also US exports in time once the, the new crops start to arrive there. But with respect to exports, and volumes flowing in Ukraine, we still have a situation where port zones remain closed. And of course, tremendous bombardment uh, of, of the land, of the roads and bridges and tremendous dislocation of the domestic logistics network. So on the one hand, whilst we hold concern for the, you know, the upcoming planting season, which really opens, opens up here in April, uh, it's, it's very imminently upon us. Um, the, the longer term question really remains, even if certain proportions of the crop are able to be planted, at what point will it be possible to export onto the world market? Uh, so from that point of view, we still hold a very constructive view on the outlook for corn prices. Uh, it, it is the market where we hold most significant concerns around the future supply side and, and potential for shortages uh, in supply going forward. And the USDA's shock corn acreage number today that came in well below the average trade expectation is just another reason uh, why we continue to hold a, um, a constructive outlook across the agricultural sector. Um, it really highlights the, the fact that the input cost story is very uh, challenging for, for certainly for farmers to manage. 
the supply side remained constrained by lack of fertilizer availability, uh, weather constraints, particularly with that La Nina still very much present. Um, and there really is no room for uh, a contraction in yield this year. However, that seems to be the modus operandi that we're, we're facing given the constraints to, to nutrient and fertilizer trade around the world. So lots of certainly lots and lots of challenges from the supply side at the moment. Uh, on the demand side, we equally have very durable questions around, you know, how will demand hold up at these elevated price levels? We are tracking historically high levels here, have done through the course of the month. And our price forecasts really suggest that we're likely to be in this environment for quite some time, certainly at least through the end of this year. Our early indications suggest that we're definitely seeing a contraction in underlying feed wheat demand. And of course, throughout animal feed rations, we are seeing the substitution of anything and everything moving in uh, to replace high cost grains. We're certainly seeing an increase in the demand for broken rice, for lysine, for many other inputs into to animal feed rations um, to be able to uh, certainly reduce the input there of, of corn where possible. And it's, it's a very uh, important uh, element to be watching out for the way that we do see substitution play out through the animal feed rations. In terms of the implications for the likes of wheat demand for, for human consumption, it does typically tend to be far more inelastic in nature. And at this point, it's been interesting to note that the last month we have seen a number of cancellation of global wheat tenders largely uh, GASC, the Egyptian body that looks to, to essentially secure supply of commodities, has cancelled on a number of occasions uh, a couple of tenders because of a limited uh, amount of, of offers being made. Um, GASC will come back into the market through May um, with some more tenders there. So we have seen a decline certainly in tender volumes over the month. Uh, a lot of which, for our mind, is has been driven by elevated prices, limited offers, and the unfolding tensions that we see at the moment, particularly for Egypt, where uh, they typically source over 50% of their wheat, uh, certainly from the Russian market. It's going to be important, obviously, to, to watch the demand profile evolve. And unlike a lot of the other hard commodities, you know, ag's um, consumption data tends to be quite uh, long term in nature and we, we don't have particularly reliable short-term indicators there um, where we do have some short-term indicators of use particularly things like the underlying um, biofuel use and, and grind and industrial demand those indicators have been holding up at reasonably robust levels um, over over the month particularly of course because of the elevated conventional um, and, and crude oil price environment that we're in currently now, nonetheless, it is something that we're watching out for, particularly given the increasing announcements and, and widespread lockdowns that are in play at China in China currently. Uh, so uh, more questions than answers on the demand front at the moment for agri markets, but certainly something, um, you know, a piece of the certainly a piece of the balance that for our mind is likely to be reasonably steady this year. Um, with now that we have these lockdowns in China, with potential risk of some, um, certainly some downside there. So where do we go from here? Uh, we have uh, reasonably low acreage 
apparently being planted in the US this year. We have some questions over demand, sustained uh, elevated energy price environment, high fertilizer price environment, low availability of fertilizers more broadly. Um, all of these things suggest to us that the, the outlook from an agricultural price point of view um, remains reasonably constructive here. We, from a fundamental point of view, as I alluded to earlier, can continue to see a lot of challenges around uh, certainly the, the ability of the supply side and production this year to be able to exceed that of demand and to, to be able to move to a position where inventories are really restored. Um, it's not something that we, we really start to see uh, for, for multiple years to, to move back to comfortable levels of inventories. Um, and so from, from that point of view, we are still maintaining bullish price forecasts uh, across grain markets, particularly looking for wheat prices to average around $12 per bushel through to the, the fourth quarter of the year, uh, looking for certainly for CBOT corn to average $8 per bushel by the fourth quarter. And that's also assuming um, intentions of uh, you know, Brazilian farmers to, to look to plant reasonably large Safrinha corn uh, crops, certainly in that 22-23 season equally. From a, a soybean point of view, uh, as we discussed earlier, we do have a little more acreage coming online in the US and that's likely to buffer some of the drag on inventories. And we see soybeans averaging $16 per bushel in the fourth quarter of uh, 22. Sugar has been a very uh, dull market relative to the grains, uh, which is very, very unusual. We've seen limited price pass through in Brazil of elevated Brent prices and, and certainly of elevated gasoline prices. It hasn't at this point really uh, altered the demand side for ethanol. It's a primary risk that we think we need to monitor, certainly throughout the second half of the year, and uh, let alone the, the weather situation as well. Uh, we look for sugar to be one of the major outperformers of the agricultural markets, certainly through the second half of 2022, where we are looking for more robust ethanol demand to play out. Um, and we do hold a forecast of 24 cents per pound on sugar uh, in the fourth quarter of the year. Cotton, another interesting market. We had a surprise to the upside in terms of the acreage estimates today. We'll see how the, all of that pans out, um, certainly in terms of uh, the, the West Texas drought that is becoming ever more intense. Uh, and we hold a forecast of 124 US cents per pound on cotton in the final quarter of the year. And, and finally, looking at the the palm oil forecast of uh, 8,000 ringgits per tonne at the end of the year. It, it is a balance that we see as being critically tight and has been for quite some time. The demand pool remains ever so firm there uh, and, and we do structurally see limitations to the ability of palm supplies to really expand from current levels. So with that, as I mentioned, constructive outlook for agricultural commodities um, being sustained here, still tremendous risks from a trade flow point of view across Russia and Ukraine that we really need to watch out for. And, and for my mind, they remain the, the, the pertinent driver of prices more so than some mild demand destruction that we might start to see at these elevated levels. So thanks very much for your time today. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022, JP Morgan Chase and Company, 
all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 1st of April, 2022.